0: You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Exodus. The book of Exodus underlines God's desire to rescue people from their misery to a life of promise, meaning, and fulfillment. This eight-week series explores key moments within Exodus in order to more fully appreciate God's love for people. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. At this point in our series in Exodus, We've, we've heard about the fact that the people have been in captivity for 400 years. And they've just, at this point in the story, they've just watched the people who had them captured wiped out in the sea. And now they're about to go out on the mission in God. And as they go, they find that they are in a wilderness, in a desert, a literal desert. And as they're going out into this area, they begin to get hungry and they begin... To complain to God I don't know about you But I actually remember my first desert experience as a Christian And its roots were found in the very first week I became a Christian You see the, the night that God called me to become a Christian He was He was really speaking to me And letting me know Hey man you have these issues in your life But I love you so much And he began to draw me in And I realized how much he loved me And I, I started pursuing and following God And there was change in my life instantly But man I mean within two days I'm like Hey, that girl's kind of cute. Maybe we'll go out Friday night and invite her out on a date. And so here I am on a date on a Friday night. We have a date, and at the end of the date, we start smooching. And right in the middle of starting to smooch, the same God, the same spirit that was on me the first night convicted me. Right in the middle, I realized, this is wrong. I don't get why it's wrong, but I just know something is not right about this. So right in the middle, I just say, hey, I got to go. And I, boom. I hop out. I get in my car, I start driving home, and in my car with this new God that I'm just learning is new to my life, I just, God, I don't understand why this is wrong, but I, I, I'll tell you this, I am going to commit to learning from you, and will you show me, will you teach me, and I'll commit to you, I am not going to date again until you're in it, and I know I'm in your will, and I was 19 years old, then, so from 19 to 21, three years, I didn't date, and at that age, man, all my friends were dating. And it may sound like a trivial thing, but that time was a big sacrifice. There were people in my family who didn't get what was happening, why I was doing this. There were actually some rumors spread in my neighborhood and I had to, you know, justify. There was all kinds. Of, there was a point even where there was this girl that was another, I was a youth leader of church helping out and she was a youth leader of another church. She liked me so much, she came to work while I was working. And I, I was thinking, man, maybe this is it. And God wasn't in this thing. and And so I just waited. And then at three years in, I saw this girl, and I, and I thought, yep, this is right. And God was letting me know, but God spoke to me something. He said, you can date her, but don't kiss her. I said, okay. So we began dating, and uh, right after, it was three months of dating, right after our summer youth trip. So we take the, the youth across the nation, and our youth are going to New Day, and we were on the ride back. And, and after I got back home, literally the next day, this girl breaks up with me. And I am telling you, I was cut to the core. I thought, oh my gosh, God. Here I am. I've tried to be obedient to what you say. I've tried to pursue you. I've been made fun of. I've been mocked. And now she just goes and breaks up me and embarrasses me. And the next Sunday in church, I'll never forget, I look across the room. And she's happily, God is great. And I am literally so cut to my core. I'm just weeping, and I couldn't even sing. I just had to walk out of the room. I can't do it. I walked out, and I felt like, man, I was in this desert place. I don't know what your deserts you've experienced, or maybe you're in one now. Maybe you've got financial things that are hitting you, and those deserts are really hard, and they're real, and maybe you have a severe sickness that's come into your life, and you're dealing with the reality of that sickness, and Maybe you have family relationships that are strained. Maybe an aunt, an uncle, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, whatever. And because of this family experience, you find yourself in this desert. Or you've had a career change. Maybe by your choice. Maybe not even by your choice. And now you're in this place and it wasn't what you thought. And this desert experience is creeping in. I know we've experienced desert and losing loved ones as they pass away. There's all kinds of things that can lead to these desert experiences. But I have a question. How do we successfully navigate The deserts in our life. How do we successfully navigate those desert experiences? And I don't want you to look at your Bible just yet. In just a second we'll look and you can actually quiz me and make sure I'm being legit with you. I'm not making stuff up. But I do want to put up here verse 9 because it gives us a clue. So verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, something. For he has heard your grumbling." Now, this is what part of what Jen just read to us, and I don't know what you put in there, but my mind as I read that says, Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, God is going to judge you, for he has heard your grumbling. That's what pops in my mind, or I might think, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, I'm really angry, for I've heard your grumbling. I mean, these are the things that start to flow through what I can think on the inside. But we actually see God's heart. You can go to the next slide and what the verse says. Check this out. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation. You can look in your Bible now and engrave me. Say to the whole congregation, of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord. For he has heard your grumbling. You see, God's heart is that we would draw near to him. In our desert experience, what does God want? He wants authentic hearts real relationship real connection to your heavenly father that loves you. We can see this in Jesus. In John chapter 20, you find out that Jesus has he's actually lived a great life, he's died, he's risen from the dead, and people are starting to spot him all over. And um in this spot there's there's about to be this guy who's one of his his main disciples. And Jesus had a group of people that followed him called the disciples. And if you're newer to the Bible, he had these 12 that were as to oh, can you back up? Don't show that yet. They he had these he thanks. He had these 12 Guys that he was really training. And so what he would do is he'd go out and they'd pray and he'd heal. He'd do something cool. And then they'd get aside with him. How'd you do that? What happened? And and he was training these guys. And in the midst of this, as Jesus comes back from the dead, as he raises, he starts popping up all over different places. And there's one guy named Thomas who hasn't seen him. And now we can look and check out what this says, his reply. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. I mean, wow. You talk about a guy in a desert. Here is this mentor that has mentored him. All he has seen this guy do is do good after good after good after good. And then he watches him beat up. He watches him get killed and and, and slain. And now, a few days later, he's around his friends... And he's hanging out with his friends, and, and they tell him, hey, he's up. And he's so in his desert moment, he doesn't even have hope. He can't hear the good news. You know, it's like that for sometimes in our deserts, isn't it? Right? Our friends find out what we're going through, and they try to be encouraging. They try, Maybe they even offer the Bible or some advice to us, and they try to encourage us. And man, we can't hear it because of the desert. That's Thomas' situation. But check out what happens when Jesus replied, when he comes onto the scene. John uh, 20, verse 26. It says this, Uh, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Now, I'll give Thomas this. I love this about Thomas. When we're in desert times, he gives us a little clue to success. Man, don't leave the community of God. Stay knit in. Here he is in this hard situation. Man, what is he doing? He's knit in with the community of God. Now, look at what Jesus says when he walks through the room. Check this out. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Really cool trick. And Peter said... Uh, And then Jesus said, sorry, peace be with you. Now look at this. Then he said to Thomas, "Now, now check this out. Thomas has been doubting. Here's what he said. Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. The action point that Jesus is saying for us when we're in a desert is connect with your God. Jesus Himself is saying, "Man, I want you to believe. Don't be disconnected. Believe in Me." You know, one of my first uh, one of my first times where I really learned about believing in God and connecting to him I was about probably two weeks into a Christian I don't remember what my issues were as far as my problems but I was having some what I felt like were serious problems at the time I remember calling my youth pastors like ten thirty at night and I called him up and I'm you know I don't know why I cried so much I'm not a crier but you know, I'm crying I'm in the middle I'm like oh god this is happening and this is hard and this is rough and I'll never forget he kindly interrupted me and his vice was so good he said hey Eric I have some good news I could talk to you about this, but here's the thing. You don't serve some rock somewhere. You don't serve a fake God. You don't serve somebody that doesn't hear. You serve the living, real God. So I'm going to hang up the phone, and I want you to do something. I want you to pray to him. I want you to talk to him. And then I just want you to sit, and I want you to wait. And I want you to let God speak to you so I didn't even know how to pray, but I, I hopped down on my, my knees because I thought it's how you're supposed to, and, and trust me, reverence for God is great, but the cool thing, we can talk to God anytime, but I, I get on my knees and I begin to pray. And I start telling them I don't know what my problems are, you know, my number two pencil is broken, you know, whatever it was, and I go through it, and at the end of this, this prayer I sit and I'm just waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and all of a sudden guess what happens? God's Spirit shows up and two things begin to happen. Some of the issues that I had, man, I'm like, oh, sharpen the pencil, right, that'll fix it, that's awesome. And some of these other things, man, I don't know what the solution is, but in the presence of the Almighty God, when, when connecting with Jesus, all of a sudden those issues seem so insignificant. They began to melt away, and all I know is this peace started to wash over me. I don't know how to deal with that, but man, God, you're in control. And there is something about when Jesus... Entering into the presence of God. In Philippians 4.8 it says it this way. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hey, I want to pass on the same advice that my youth pastor gave me all those years ago. Be real with God. Wait on God. And he will speak to you. See, in this passage, passage of Exodus, they are literally in a desert wilderness. It's not just a, a desert experience. They are literally in a desert, a place where life doesn't grow, provision doesn't grow. It wasn't a place where there was much water and they, they could experience dryness. And as they cried out to God, no, not only does he want them to draw close, he wants to actually bring real provision to their lives. Check out Exodus 16.4. The Lord said to Moses, behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. Listen to this, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Here's the thing about tests. Not only do they show the person giving the test how they're doing, they can reveal to you how you're doing. So you know what areas to work on. I, for a long time, I loved riding motorcycles. And when I got my first motorcycle, it was before Craigslist or the internet existed. I had to use a newspaper to track this thing down. And the guy showed up to deliver the motorcycle. And I'll tell you, I I thought, this is going to be easy. I can ride a bike. I can do a motorcycle. And as I'm paying for this motorcycle, it hits me. I have no clue what I'm doing. And so I said, hey, dude, can you teach me how to ride this? And his response was, you're paying me for the bike, not for lessons. And he's walking off to get in the car, the person that drove him. And I'm like, hey, hey, come on, anything. And he's like, as he's getting in the car and starting to drive off, do you know how to drive a stick shift? Yeah. Same thing, one gear down, four up, see ya. And he takes off. I'm like, oh, okay, I got this, all right. So I... Go up, I walk it to this parking lot in this church, and you have a permit to, to while you're learning. And I figure out how to ride this thing, man. And I get to the point where I'm like, yeah, I am a good rider. I'm watching movies with motorcycles. Like, yes, me, man, yeah. And I go to the day to get my license, the test day. And when I show up on the test, I, I ace the written test, piece of cake. And I start off pretty good on the motorcycle test. And then I get to this one part of the test where as they explain the directions, I'm like, I didn't even know a motorcycle could do that. And I begin to realize, oh my gosh, I thought I knew this, but I'm missing something. And I ended up going to a motorcycle class, and I learned so much. that helped me so much when I was on the road. Um, and desert seasons, tests help our hearts know when we're depending on ourselves instead of trusting in God. Now, just to give this some context, in the Bible, it says that this manna from heaven, this food that God was providing, it lasted 40 years. So a 40-year test in every day, God's provision for 40 days. There, faithful, there. And in verse 31, it says this is kind of fun. It says, the taste. Now keep in mind the taste, not the shape, the shape was like C, but it said the tea, that the taste of the manna, the food from heaven, was like wafers made of honey. So I picture like graham cracker taste. And I know Graham. I think looking at me, you know I like graham cracker taste, right? As a matter of fact, this is exactly what forty years of graham crackers does to you. Um, but man, I was looking at it, and and these guys after forty years, check out what it says. Numbers eleven eight. It says this: the people went out, they gathered it. So what are they doing with this? They're grounding it in hand mills. They're beating it in mortars. They boiled it in pots to make cakes of it. The taste of it was like the taste case bakes. The taste was like. The taste of cakes baked with oil. Wow, I feel like I'm doing a Mad Lib. Okay, yeah. Man, the taste of it was sounds like a dessert. Sounds pretty incredible, right? And so these guys for 40 years. I don't know what a mortar is, but they I thought that was something you shot at an enemy or something. But they figured out how to cook with this thing. You know, there's like a Rachel Ray or or, or like a, a Gordon Ramsay. You know, they're making bank. Like this is how you do this, and they are make this recipe. And you know, and so for 40 years they're going through it. I'm still convicted that the first graham cracker crust in a pie was made during this season but anyway I'll, I'll get back to it Brian uh, the directions for this test were clear though God did have a test form and let's look at what they were the first part was that there is bread from heaven coming that's the good news you can show that slide there you go and the first part of the test was collect only a day's portion so they only were to take in the morning take their day portion they need number two The part of the test was on the sixth day, collect enough for two days. And that's because on the seventh day, God wanted them to rest and just enjoy time with them. And the last one was leave none of it till morning. Eat what you take. And so uh, there's two groups of people here people who don't do such a good job listening to the test and people who do great, right? My wife is one of those that does great. She wasn't, you know, when she's in school, she just sneezes. Oh, there's an A. Uh, But (laughs) it's true. But, uh, You know, sometimes, (laughs) well, well, check this out. Verse 20. Let's look at the group of people that don't do a good job listening. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And it bred worms and stank. You see, sometimes we can believe in God. We can even be obeying them. These people, they did collect the food. They went out. They faithfully collected the food. But you know what happened in that situation? They thought, I know this is today's provision. I've been hungry for a while. Is there enough for tomorrow? Is God going to show up again? And they put in a little bit more. Or they're out there and they think, you know, this is God's provision. I want to be able to provide. And they, they reach out. And they begin doing things in their own strength. And you know what happens is, in their moment, when you begin to do things in your own strength, man, you start to deal with the consequences. They get up the next morning and the whole people of God, that are on mission in God, they're going out to collect that day's portion. And when they wake up, what are they doing? They're having to clean out their own works, their own. Man, i got to get rid of the worms. i got to get rid of the stink. i got to take care of this so I can go out and collect. And now, as everybody's coming in to do their Rachel Ray cooking lesson, they're running out, right? And they're running out to try to collect because it did say the manna would vanish quickly in the heat. And so they're running out now and trying to do their part. And right in the middle of God's own provision in this test, they realize, man, my heart is still depending on me. It's not fully dependent on God. A real trust in God is only taking the provision that God is leading you in at that moment. When we strive to do something in our own strength, our own planning, we have the extra burden that comes with it. Exodus says another part of their test. Let's go to verse 27. Check this out. Remember, God wanted them to uh, collect two days' worth and enjoy rest. And this verse says, On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Now, here's what happened. Some of those people that went out on the last day, right? Were they supposed to collect anything on the last day? No, because they were supposed to collect two days before. But here's what happened. As they went out, they might have been some of those people who had collected two days before, and they saw the worms and the stank and everything they had to deal with. And as they, they go out and they're supposed to collect two days, their wounds and their hurts from the past, even though they were on mission with the church, their wounds in the past keep them from doing what they're supposed to do right now. And some people, I think there was another group of people who were living on yesterday's word. The word yesterday was take a jar, today's word is take two jars. And so they're looking backwards instead of what God has for them right then. And then as the people of God are are inside enjoying their provision and their time with God, those people are outside all alone. No provisions coming down because they're supposed to be resting and enjoying relationship with God. I imagine they felt alone and dry in a desert. You know, it's possible to be serving as part of the church Sundays and building and doing things. But you're doing it in your strength and you end up feeling alone. It's possible this is your first time you've ever entered a church building. Maybe what brought you in here is, you know, man, something's not right. And here's the good news. The truth is this. God desires the same thing that he desired for the people, that he wants you to know him. He wants you to be his people, and he wants to celebrate life with you. God's heart is that we would draw near and find provision, not in our own strength, but in his. You know, following God, it's still an action, right, to follow, to pursue. You still got to do something but it's doing what he's asking you to do, not what you're thinking you need to do. I find I deal with that a lot. Hey, verse 18, there was another group of people um, who did it right. Check this out. These are the people who got the the test. But when they measured it with an omer, an omer is just a unit of measurement, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever gathered little had no lack. You can leave this up for a second. Now think about this. They go out and they gather, and some people have a lot of people staying in their tent, right? So they, they get a, a, their omers, and man, they're, they're getting their big old amount that they think they're going to need. Some person might be in his tent, and he's just you know, got his little, little bit that he's got. And there may be somebody going right in between these two, like, man, I think I got just the right amount. And they go into their tent with their portions, and check this out. Their heart was, man, I want to obey you, God. I want to do exactly. I want to follow you. I want to pursue you. I want to be in your position. And whoever gathered much, so whoever had a lot, had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. To put it another way, God's provision is perfect. His provision for us as a people, His provision for you, is exactly what you need for that moment. And as you walk in faith, as you follow God, the testimony or that story, that video that we saw earlier... Where man, I'm just going to obey God and then college here, taken care of. Man, as we do what God is calling us to in that second, every single time, God's provision is exactly what we need. Some of us have made the mistake, and I, I know I've been guilty of this, is that when God provides, we just want to be out of the desert. But do you remember what I said earlier? It lasted 40 years. Provision doesn't mean your problems are gone. Provision doesn't mean everything is necessarily vanished. But there's a testing, there's lessons to learn. God's provision is there every day. He never leaves you. And some of us think, man, when I get this right, I'll get out of this desert I am. But it's not that way either. Man, God is with you every day. There's always provision. And there's a bigger purpose happening. As a matter of fact, um, the desert experience goes way beyond our own provision. It's about a lot more than us. Uh, We're going to look at one more verse in just a second. But check this out. This verse happens... 215 years before the event takes place. So, there's a guy named Abram, who will one day be Abraham, and God is telling him, hey, here's the cool thing, one day there's going to be a people that are my people. And he's telling them about them, and um, it would be kind of like, if you go back 215 years, you know, somewhere in the late 1700s, Right at 1800, somewhere in there, it would be like somebody finding out, hey, one day, there's going to be a church called Jubilee. And man, they're going to start in the city, and then they're going to be in Kirkwood, and they're going to be here, and they're going to face this hardship. be like going back 200 years ago, somebody finding out about us, and God is using it to encourage this person. And this is what God says in this verse to Abram. And remember how they had been in captivity all that time, right? It says this. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and they will be servants there. They were servants 400 years. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation they serve. Now get this last part. And they will come out with great possessions. Here's the thing. God is saying in this, Look, It wasn't their sin that put us there. We think, man, we're in a desert desert because of our sin. It wasn't their failings that put them there. It wasn't a God that didn't love them that put them into captivity in this time. God says, I have a big purpose that's happening. And here's the thing. When they leave this time, they're going to have everything they need to fulfill the purpose of me. And they literally left with the treasures of the people who had captured them. Think about this. When they went out and got the manna. Where did the measuring cups come from, the things they were stored in? those were the Egyptians. The tents that they lived in, right? They were slaves in this society that they were a part of. The tents that they lived in they weren't li- the tents were belonged to the people that had them, and now God's using them on mission for them. The pots and pans that they made the ray or the the you know the, the cooking recipes in i can't think of that girl's name what's her name? Uh, yeah, see you guys watch too much TV. Uh, yeah. right the, those recipes. As they're they're, uh, making that, those pots are all provided by him. Everything is provided. And even the gold that they would need coming up. And they had all this treasure because of this experience. Hear me. God has plans for us. He wants you. He wants me. He wants us to move forward. And how we respond, man, if we trust in our own strength. God's church is still on the move. God's mission is bigger than justice. God is doing what he's going to do. But man, you know what ends up happening? We're cleaning out the worms. We're doing it because we try things in our own state, and our own strength. But man, if we look to God, if we trust in God, he is always faithful. And we get to experience this wonderful, beautiful journey with him. Another verse that's written, I used to think this was written to a guy named Jeremiah, like to him. And I found out Jeremiah is writing it to the church. Check out this verse, Jeremiah twenty eleven. Twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. He's talking to the whole church to give you a future and a hope. And if you're newer to the Bible, here's the good news. There's all different kinds of versions. There's kids' Bibles that break it down on the, for kids. There's versions that like if you speak Chinese, it's going to be in Chinese. There's all different. And one of them is this one called King James. I don't read it much. It's kind of an older language, but I love how it words this. It says, I know the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. And then it says, to give you an expected end. God is taking us somewhere. There is a future and there is a hope. And here's the beautiful thing about God. I believe that his plans, his provision, is both in the here and now, literally, for you right now, and eternally, that God is doing something. Remember how I told you my first uh, desert experience that I had? The girl broke up with me. My heart was broken. And it was right after I had gone on that youth trip. Remember that? I said I was on the way back from the youth. And the next day they ended up, this girl broke my heart. Uh, what I didn't know and I found out years later is on the way back as we're in the van, it was high school students and I was talking and we were having a discussion about how to honor God in dating and what is God's desire. And we were talking through all this and they were looking up Bible verses and at one point one of the youth actually said, well you're dating someone right now. And I said, I haven't even kissed her. And Unknown to me in the back of the van was a girl that I thought was sleeping. My future wife, Bridget. And she's taking this all in. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit moves on her heart. And she decides at that moment, Yes, God, I'm going to break up my boyfriend. I'm going to apply how you want. And I'm going to wait for my husband that you would have for me. Here I thought God had completely abandoned me, completely let me down, completely made me a fool. And the reality is, He is preparing my future wife for me. And God is so good. He has this incredible... It's incredible plan. I have this wife that, man, she's, she is such a gift to me. And here God, just in my obedience, used me to be able to, to impact her. He's so good. As we finish here, I want to hear the truth about God's best. Check this out. John chapter 6, verse 32 to 35. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's a little confusing to you. It's all right. It was confusing to the people hearing it. Look at the next part of the verse. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The ultimate provision is Jesus. And I want to connect it to the very last verse that Jin Lee read earlier when, when she was reading. Verse 12, because I think it's actually connected. It says, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Jesus says, man, I am the bread of life. And I want you to be filled. I want you to be filled in life. There is God's provision for us. And it's an authentic, real provision true provision that only comes as we focus on our great God that loves us.